Well, good morning. So, <clears throat> I just recently, with my, uh, my son Caleb, entered into the world of uh, hockey. Any of you guys involved in hockey? Uh, I'm a California boy, so hockey's not uh, real normal to me. Uh, but we, we decided to enter into it. He's got a buddy who's real excited about it, and so we got him suited up, and we've begun the journey of uh, hockey this summer. And so we went out for our first night, Wednesday night, and uh, you got all these young guys from like 8 to 11 years old, all learning to play hockey together. And for the first 45 minutes, they're teaching them how to skate, and they're throwing them on the ground so they get used to rolling around the ice, and, and they're just having a great time. And then for the, the second uh, part of the session, they did a little scrimmage, a kind of a four-on-four four sort of a deal. And they're going around, and, and they're crashing everywhere and banging into each other. And all of a sudden, uh, the puck kind of came loose, and this, this little guy is just real tiny uh, for his age. He, he got uh, where he was the puck, and it was going to be a breakaway where he could have scored uh, really quick. And he's going down, and this other guy uh, from behind him uh, kind of gives him a cheap shot with his stick and trips him up. And they both end up just wiping out into each other. And so then the, the coach of this whole thing blows the whistle, and he's like, hey, 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 you guys gather on in here. And he's all, what, what just happened here? And he looks at the two boys, the one who, who had the breakaway and then the one who tripped him up, and he looks at both of them, and he's all, wait a second, aren't you guys both on the same team? And they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes, rule number one, you never trip up your own player. You are going for the same goal. And here's the deal. It's much easier if you're moving the same direction and you're shooting in the same direction for you to score that way versus taking your own guy out. And I just want you to learn this lesson right off the bat. And uh, here's the guys. It's like, oh, you know, and they're sorry, and they didn't realize, and, and uh, tripped each other up. It's like, gentlemen, we're moving that same direction. This is your goal. Go together. Pass the puck. Share in that experience as you go down. And I thought as we were looking this morning at, at Romans 15, I thought this is, this is a great example of, of what God has called us to. He really is calling us to, remember, agape love each other, self-sacrificial love that we would get off of ourselves and we would start truly looking at each other and the Lord and saying, Father, help me to, to not only grow in you, but as I grow in you, that I start to, to love others. That we are moving the same direction together, shooting for the same goal, running the same race together. Remember the scriptures remind us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all of your mind. And as unto it, like it, and then love your neighbor. And that's all comes through the power of Christ, right? As we love God, and as he indwells us, which is true, it is I who no longer live, but Christ in me. My whole source of life is through Christ. He says, I want you to pour that out into your neighbor. And we have the Good Samaritan reminds us who our neighbor is. It's all of us. And in the body of Christ, especially going, hey, gang, Let's not forget that we, we are running the same race. We are shooting for the same goal. 
We used to have an old preacher here. Some of you remember him, but he used to say a lot. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing being Jesus Christ. Let's not forget that. And the problem that was happening in chapter 14 last week was that we were tripping each other up over secondary issues. He's saying, you know, in the culture, people were eating ham sandwiches. It's like, well, for Orthodox Jewish Christians now, to eat a ham sandwich, that was really hard for them to to really understand, and it it was offensive to them. Don't eat the meat. And, And certain holidays that they felt should be observed, he's saying, hey, listen, some of you have found freedom in Christ, and your freedom has allowed you to eat this meat that's sacrificed to idols, or just you're allowed to break out of the, the ritual of the dietary laws of the Jewish customs. But some are not yet there yet. And don't keep pushing them in. Don't keep, hey, those who are free in Christ, don't keep just saying, hey, you need to catch up with me. And that those who are still at a place where they're in this obedience to Christ, yet they haven't quite understood the freedoms yet that the Lord has allowed. He's saying, hey, listen, you who are at a place that think, you know, eating ham is wrong, don't you play judge. Don't you think, well, look at me, and I'm observing all the the rules, and yet you're having a ham sandwich. In our culture, you're having a glass of wine, or you're smoking a cigarette, or you watch the movie that, a little questionable. And we play judge and jury to say if that's spiritual or Christian or not. We do it all the time. Do it with the clothes we wear. You know, on Sunday, should we dress up? Can I wear shorts to church? People are wearing shorts. Is that, you know, it doesn't honor God? All these things that we do in our minds. Sometimes we say them out loud, too. They say, listen. I don't want you to miss, in, in, in light of all that's going on, I don't want you to miss the big picture. We all together, brothers and sisters in Christ, even though on some of these secondary issues we may not agree, we are moving to love the Lord together. We both desire to grow in Christ together. We both desire to, to live for him and to live out his life as long as he's got us here on this planet. And so as he gets into chapter 15, he says, listen, I want you to live a life that is bearing with each other. And and look look back with me at at chapter 14, just a reminder, the call to peace. In verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, of peace, that means shalom, that rest before God, of joy, that inner inner strength and and really this happiness in Christ, that you can have joy, this utter fulfillment in Christ, in the Holy Spirit. Anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and is approved by men. Let us therefore, and this is the call for each of us, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace, and mutual edification. Don't destroy the work of God by slamming each other over issues that are a non-issue for the Lord. We make issues that God truly is not spending any time on because he searches right to your heart. He knows exactly where you are in your relationship with him. 
and yet we keep trying to bring all these issues to the forefront. It's like, wait a second, we already got a huge battle going on with the enemy and with our flesh and everything that's raging, and now you're going to have a battle with each other, brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you kidding? Knock it off. Stop going there. But let us make every effort to have peace, restoration. You know what's interesting that, that chapter 14 says? It says, because this pleases God. Have we forgotten to ask that question? Do my actions please God? God who died on the cross for me, who rose again, who has given me life. My life is all about him. Do my actions and the way that I am responding to this wonderful community that God has given me, and the way that I'm playing out this life in him, does it please him? I think we want to please him, don't we? Amen. And so ask the question, or am I just going to slam my brother and be judge over my brother or sister? Am I going to continue to have this separation in relationship because I'm going to hold on to what I think is I'm right and you're wrong? Any broken relationships we have because of pride? We're not willing to yield to each other? That we're fighting over really silliness. And so he says this in chapter 15. I want you, in, in this effort to make peace, and in this, in this way that we are to love each other, agape love, I want you to bear with each other. And it's to keep on bearing with one another. It has this beautiful image of a mother carrying her beautiful child and, and, and caring for the child with tenderness and and with great patience, and with love. And so Christian body, brothers and sisters, says, I want you to bear with each other. This is what brings about peace. This is what pleases the Lord. That the world may know we are Christians by our agape love for one another. That God would be glorified in our relationships, because as people see how we love each other, they go, wow, I've never experienced that type of relationship. How is that even possible? And we say, only through the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life, only because of Christ, because he loved me first and he's poured his love into me, am I able to even forgive? Am I able even to enter into relationship with this brother that, you know, otherwise I just kind of blew off? But God kept calling me into relationship. Started to yield, not only to each other, but to God. I'm telling you right now, because God is a God of relationship, if you have fractured relationship right now, he is calling you to make peace in that. To yield to God and to yield to each other. So that God would be glorified in your life and in your friend or spouse or whatever. That we would forgive each other and that we would keep running this race because it is a marathon that we're on together. This is no quick sprint. Life in Christ. And we need each other. Instead of tearing each other down, we need to lift each other's arms up. You know, when I, uh, for years when I did college ministry, uh, I would take a, a crew down to San Francisco where I grew up. A lot of uh, homeless folks in San Francisco. And I love ministering there. It's a crazy city in the way it's set up in the Tenderloin. And a couple blocks over you have 
the rich of the, you know, the wealthiest of the wealthy. Two blocks over, you have just devastation, poverty, cardboard boxes. And so I take a crew out there to go, and, and we just want to be available to the Lord. Say, Father, what do you want? You know, we want to serve. We want to be available. One of the big needs in San Francisco is socks because it's so damp there, and their socks, their feet get wet, and then they get all kinds of disease. And so we would go literally in the morning and knock on the cardboard box and, and give socks just so their feet would be warm. It was a beautiful, beautiful time. We had one gal who went with us, beautiful friend of mine, uh, her name was Melissa. Melissa had uh, cerebral palsy, still has it. Melissa is one of those just bubbles for Christ. I mean, she, she, she accepted Christ and then let her mother and her grandmother and her sister, I mean, she just, it's just absolute, her, her reward in heaven is just going to be outstanding. She's got a weak body, a body that doesn't function very well. But man, I'll tell you what, she will be doing a dance in heaven that's going to be just amazing. And so Melissa, who has cerebral palsy, joined us in the trip. And if you've been to San Francisco, uh, you know that it's full of hills. And so we would have to, at times, we, they, they give us, they say, hey, listen, we need you to go minister and, and, uh, at this, uh, this shelter for kids where the, the moms are crack addicts, they have no dads, and we, this is where you're going. And so many times when we would go, uh, it would end up, we'd have to go up several steep hills that we'd have to climb. You can only park, you know, way far away. There's no parking, and so you'd have to hike. And so literally, we look at Melissa, and we're like, okay, Melissa, you know, I'd get down on one knee, and she'd hop on my back, and we'd carry her. And then when old man Richie would get tired, we get guys like Tyler Edwards. These kind of studs are in good shape. And Tyler, seriously, Tyler, he's a dear friend of mine. Some of you know Tyler, but he, probably 90% of the trip, he carried Melissa everywhere. Beautiful. Um, and so the thing was, though, we were always going the same direction. Hey, we're going together to, to go not only depend on God, but to, to express his love so that God would be glorified. And he says of us, dear body, that we would bear with each other, that we would carry each other. When we, we don't quite understand each other, we, we struggle with one another, again, in the secondary issues. He says, bear, be long-suffering, carry. Let's, let's keep running the same race together because we're both moving towards Jesus. And we're both desiring to live our lives for him. And sometimes we just need to be patient and carry one another and move ahead together. That's his call for us in life. This is pleasing to God. This is making peace. This is moving in the same direction. Why? So that God is glorified. People would understand the truth of God's character, that he's patient with us, that he died for these broken relationships, that he has beautiful relationship within himself in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and that he prays for us that we would have that same unity, that same life together. We who are strong bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves, each of us should please our neighbor for his good to build them up. Well, what does it mean to please one another? 
I want you to bear with each other. I want you to move towards peace. How do you do it? You move towards pleasing each other. Well, one of the things I want to say that this is not, it's not being men pleasers. It's not being ones who say, I'm just going to not say a thing because I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to stir things up. And so I'll just let you go on in your way and everything will be calm and at peace and it will please you. It's not just a passive tolerance of the relationship and what's going on. I don't want to say anything because it could stir, stir some things up. When we are men pleasers, instead of pleasing the Father, then we are protecting ourselves, are we not? Because it will come back on us, we're afraid. Because it will make it actually uncomfortable and difficult. And when we choose to try to please men versus pleasing the Lord, then again, the relationship oftentimes will become more damaged. To please men is this. I care about your life spiritually. I care about who you and I are becoming in relationship. I care that we're growing together in Christ and we're moving in the same direction. God has, because of my relationship with Him, He has changed me. And before, when all I cared about was me, He has moved my heart towards you And I care about you. That's agape love. That's getting outside of ourselves. You know, I think I might have told you, you know, one of the things I do when I get up in the morning is I I seriously, I go, Lord, whatever you want to put on my plate today, I'm just going to show up. I'm just going to be available. Whoever you want to bring into my life, okay. And, And Lord, bring to mind... Do you ever pray this? Lord, bring to mind who you would like me to love today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor. It's a constant outflow. Why? Because God radically loves you. And for whatever reason, he chooses us to reflect that character to each other. Isn't that amazing? And so we move towards each other and we please each other, which is I care about who you're becoming spiritually. I want you to be drawn to the Lord. I want you to learn from Him. I want you to mature in Him for your good. When you live for each other's good, again, you don't live to protect yourself. When you live for each other's good, you are always starting to draw about each other's lives. I'm not going to be, like Scripture said in 14, a stumbling block, one who trips person up in their spiritual journey, one who, who forces you to, to believe the same thing I do. You need to land exactly the same view that I have on wearing shorts to church on Sunday. You've got to get to the same place, and you insist that you understand and get there. That's not pleasing others. That's demanding and selfish. And you're trying to prove your point. Live to please others because you want them to grow in Christ. If there's a movie that is a struggle for a brother or sister, and you know it, and yet you're like, hey, we're all going to this movie, and, you know, if you want to hang out with us, we're all going to the movie. You totally put them out. 
Instead, it's shifting your thinking and saying, listen, listen, if this is really an area that is an issue for you, it's hard for you to, to engage in this movie, then okay, we will we'll rent Bambi and we'll have a good time together. <laughs> if they're addicted to hunting, you look for another movie or something. <laughs> but again, it's going, hey, you know what? Remember, the, the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking. It's not about I have to get my way. Those of us who are strong, who have freedom in Christ, that we understand the scriptures a little more in the freedom sense, and you don't ever take this pridefully. It's just that God has revealed some things to you about freedom in Christ. You don't lay that again on your brother who's struggling in that area. That's pleasing each other. That's, I, I love you enough to say it's not worth it to try to prove my point or to get you to join along in an area that's not good for you spiritually right now. Each of us should please his neighbor to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself as is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Build up is the call. The way that we build up, the way that we please each other is called edification. And I love the, the Greek actually has a cool word. The foundational word in the Greek for edification or to build up is oikos, which is, is, is house. It's house. And so when you think about it, you go, my purpose in loving you is to help build your house. And that you take those blocks, which maybe in your selfishness were stumbling blocks, you're tripping people up on their spiritual journey, and instead of doing that, to please one another, we say, listen, you know, I, I apologize for my selfishness. I want to take this block that was tripping you up, and I want to put it here with this block of patience, this block now of, of listening to you and, and hearing where you're at, this block of grace, this block of truth. I want to build truth into your life. We do a great disservice in edifying each other if we don't build up with truth. And so when I say don't be men-pleasers, don't protect yourself, that we'd always bring truth into a situation, into a relationship. That we would bring truth into what's going on. So, again, if it's an issue of, let's say, wine or something like that, you don't demand that they come to the bar with you. But you can say, you know what? I want to share with you some of my understanding of, of what it means to, to live free in Christ. This is how I understand scriptures. And, and what God has called us to, as far as I understand, is that we're not to be drunk on wine. And as we study Scripture together, I, you know, I want to understand where you're at, but I also want to set you free that we, it's not an issue. So the, the friend over there that you're struggling with, because they have wine occasionally, I want you to be free from that, that that's not your, that's not your issue. And so we bring truth into the matter. And whenever we bring truth into the matter, I wondered why verse 3 was in the place it was, which talks about the insults. I go, wait a second, what? where did this come from? As you study scriptures, you know, I hope you ask those questions like, wait, okay, we're talking about bearing, and now we've got Christ insults, and what's going on? And I think the deal is, is when we choose to actually love each other and not protect ourselves, 
We bring truth into the relationship, and sometimes when we bring truth, the attacks will come, or the challenge, or the insults. They will. And, and, and it'll feel like, man, I, you know, okay, I'm backing off. You know, I've said enough. I've said my piece. But like Christ, who sets the example, he sets the example in two ways. One, he was willing to yield all to the glory of God. He took it all on himself, all to the glory of God. And he yielded to the Lord. The other thing that we see is that he spoke truth, and because he brought truth, he said, I am the truth. He took insults. But he says, I took it on. And I took it on so that, again, his name, God's name, is glorified in the end. And so, again, as you watch scriptures, and what the next passage says, it says, listen, all these scriptures were given to you to teach you and to grow you up. And so I think this is what's fitting. As you go, listen, as we enter into each other's lives, there's, there's a lot of trial in that. There's a lot of journey. There's a lot of struggle together, right? There just is. We're, we're, we're fallen people trying to love each other. Marriage is always that work, isn't it? And he says, listen, along the journey, and as you yield to others, as you yield to others, as you give up yourself for others, as you take the insults, for, there is the word of God that is there to give you endurance, this patience. There is the word of God to remind you, to teach you all things about the way the saints went through before, how they yielded and how they lived life. There is the word of God that gives you encouragement. That word there is paraclete. That word is what the Holy Spirit is, right? Paraclete means I come by your side. You know what we have the great privilege of? We have the whole counsel of God in his word right here. Man, what a joy. And so when we go, Father, I'm struggling in this area. We come to the Word, and we let the Holy Spirit... Did we forget that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword? Did we forget that the Holy Spirit ministers to us, and He uses the Word often to teach us, change our thinking, mold us, give us peace and patience? And so He comes alongside of us through the Word. The Word has reminded us about those who've yielded before. Remember Abraham and Lot? And they're looking out and they're looking over the Jordan Valley and Abraham has the right to take the land because he's the eldest. What does he do? He says, Lot, you go ahead and choose first. He was willing to yield. And what happened in the end? God was glorified. Remember Moses? Hebrews teaches us that Moses went to his people and he took on the scorn of his people. Moses was a prince. He had everything going for him. He had all of life. He had all of luxury. And yet he left that to go and lead God's people, taking on the scorn. They didn't like him at first, did they? They didn't like him a lot, actually. A lot of the journey, it was a struggle. But who ended up being glorified in the end? God. Jonathan was meant to be king. David, little red-headed guy, shepherd. As they develop a relationship, because of the Lord, the Lord speaks to Jonathan, and Jonathan yields to God, and he yields his rightful heir to the throne, 
And he says, here, David, take my armor. You are meant to be king. Who's glorified in the end? God. I just want to ask all of us, really, who do we need to yield to? Can we stop trying to prove our point? Can we stop trying to say, well, they need to say sorry first. They need to get it right first. When we yield to each other, it is God, the scriptures teach us, it is God who gives us encouragement. It is God who gives us endurance. That's our source. You know, we've broken relationships are healed because you, choo- you chose to yield to God. And as he ministered to you, he softened you or he softened that person you're in conflict with. He's been doing that for generations because it is God who gives that to you. He gives you endurance to bear with each other. He gives you strength and he gives you hope that God can heal relationships that God will move into your life. And so let us move towards one another with yielding to each other. Teaches us through his word. Augustine had said, oh, the beautiful holy scriptures are are letters from home. They're love letters of how much God loves you. And they also part of that love letter is that Because of God, we are able to love, to express the character of God with each other. That is pleasing to God. I'm not going to keep trying to protect myself and be a man pleaser. I'm going to be a God pleaser who chooses me to build up in the body of Christ. That our attitude should be the same of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of servant and being made in human likeness, being found as appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so would we live like Christ? It says, be like the Lord did, live like him. As he loved to the full extent, he washed his disciples' feet, showed them the way of servant. I didn't come to to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. That same Christ is the Christ who dwells. That's where we have the power to even engage with each other in agape love. Can't do it on our own. Again, don't try to muster it up. You can't. It's, Father, help me. I'm struggling to love this person. Or I I really am. I'm playing judge. I'm looking at their life and going, it's not how I do it. Father, forgive me for my attitude towards my brother or sister. They might begin to cleanse you. That bitterness that's there, that he starts to wash that. And then we build up each other. And that the word, all scripture, remember, is God-breathed. We bring the word and edify. It's useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. All scripture. Don't forget to bring this into your gatherings, into your, into your meetings together. Don't just come with your own opinion. Say, this is what God's been ministering to me through his word. Let me bring to you what I see in the truth. 
because that's our only source. That we would again love and yield and run this race together in the same direction. And he says, I want you to do this, and, the, and I want you to bring about peace, and the God who gives you all these things, may he grant you this unity together, this like-mindedness. That's what unity means, by the way. Is it, the NIV, does it have a unity or like-minded? Unity means to be like-minded, to be thinking in the same direction, which is, hey, we're running this way. We're running this way. And again, you know what? As we go on this race together, you may be running with a cigarette in your mouth, and, and I may be just running with my Nike tennis shoes, and you may get to Jesus quicker than I will because of that, but that's okay. We're running the same direction. You know what I mean? Don't forget that. You are like-minded. You're, you're not focused on you, and you're not focused on get it right. I mean, truly, let's be honest, guys. Man, we quickly shut out people because they, they have a cigarette. You know in your own heart. I know I'm pretty quick to do it sometimes. And you go, wait a second, that person's running right towards Jesus just like I am. And yet I just automatically put them over here at a distance. I want you to be like-minded, moving towards each other. We are all followers of Jesus Christ together. Do you remember that movie, The Big Fat Greek Wedding? Tula meets uh, Ian Miller, and at the very end they have the wedding. And the father gets up. It's a great scene. He's always trying to get the Greek background to every word. And he says, you know, Miller is Greek. Comes from the Greek word Milo, which means apple. And so there you go. As many of you know, portakalos comes from the Greek portakali, which means orange. And so here tonight, we have apples and oranges. We're all different. But in the end, we are all fruit. Some of us more fruity than others. <laughs> but that's a good truth. And you know what? We are, as a body of Christ. We are fruit together, and you know what? We are strapped into the same vine. Jesus Christ. He is the source of my life. And as fruit together, we are growing together in him, the vine. And that we would be like-minded and not forget the main thing to keep the main thing the main thing. Amen? This morning we're doing a little differently, as you notice. We, we didn't do a lot of singing up front. Because the scriptures now get into, it says, it, it brings out all these passages out of, out of the Psalms, the writings, and out of Deuteronomy, and, and out of... Uh, out of uh, What's the other one? The, the proverb? No. Isaiah. The prophets. So you have the prophets and the law and the writings. And here's what it points out in those last little sections. Jew and Gentile and all of the culmination of God's work has been working together 
this life together in Christ, not only for Jew and Gentile, but for you and I in the body of Christ, and that you cannot miss as you look to the word to give you encouragement, is that God has broken through, broken relationship, and has been desiring for unity, like-mindedness, from the beginning of time. And so the law and the prophets and the writings speak of these things. It isn't a new idea. And so together with one voice and one heart, hupo thumos, with one passion towards Christ, it's a heated passion, and that your heated passion goes directly to him, we give praise and glorification to God. And so we're going to do that in prayer, and then in the end we're going to do that in song. Okay? All right. Blessings.